Thank you for listening. Fairhome, and you're listening to the sweet, sweet sounds of the Music Video Land podcast by your good buddies at filmdinsert.com, which means Adam Fairhome, that's me, and Douglas Klinger of Boynton Beach, Florida. Doug, how are you doing today? I am doing super good. Adam, how are you? Mm, Very good, very good. Good. I'm, I'm I'm proud of that, to know that. I'm proud of I'm proud of I'm proud of both of us because we've made it. This is episode forty six. What are we gonna do for our fiftieth episode anniversary? Uh, wear pants. Hmm. At least I will. It's kind of hot in the room that I record this in, so I don't know if that's an. Uh, there's a great picture of us that we should put on the blog to to, to commemorate our fiftieth anniversary. It's of us. Your your uh, girlfriend Kim took a picture of us climbing a mountain, and we don't look like we're in such hot shape when we're doing it we're basically yeah. both looking it's at the really... ground trying to wishing we were anywhere else but where we are i i think i think i'm stretching out a little bit but um yeah i look <laughs> great i look great my shoes are white and i think my legs may be whiter than my shoes so um which is that weird because was... you live in florida that's not a very common florida problem and it's also uh not because of the dirt uh, that the shoes are lighter than my leg it's because i'm a white man um so we have a really awesome we've got some really incredible interviews coming up and we've had past few podcasts have been really good this podcast is really good and we will continue the trend we got some awesome stuff for you and this uh, podcast features an interview with Mr. Scott Cudmore, who is a director and writer of music videos, and Michael LeBlanc, a producer and director of photography of videos. And together, they work out of Toronto, Canada, near my hometown of Mississauga, Canada. So they're two Canadians, and they make some really... Yeah, they're difficult to describe. Uh, let's pick a few out of their canon that you should definitely check out. One of them is Queen of Hearts by the explicitly tagged named band Fucked Up. Um, also, another really awesome one is Holding On To Something by um, Parlover. I really like Witch's Wand by Sloan. I know it's a little bit older. It's from 2009, uh, but I really, really enjoy that video. And we get a little bit uh, we get a little personal. They're a directing duo, you know... We, we like to facilitate feelings and talk about feelings, so we get talking to talk about their um, relationship together. I, I think this. I think the they definitely and and they get into that in the podcast a little bit. Is they 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 operate. You know, they have their own production company that they they run a lot of their music videos through, and they kind of operate on their own. Not to say that they do anything really like they're like doing crazy out out outlandish like Borat stuff, but they're they're. They're definitely doing, you know, kind of their own thing, and and they're they've set themselves up in order to do that, you know, the, the, in the right way, and and uh, it makes for some really interesting work, I think. And you'll hear a little bit about the um, some interesting insights into music production, music video production, as 
um, funneled through a production company. So definitely check that out. And in the meantime, I wanted to talk a little bit about a music video that came out this week. This is the week of June 27th right now, is the middle of the week. And uh, an artist we've talked about many times on the podcast before, but not for a few months, Mrs. L- Miss Lana Del Rey, and she came. I out think with- she's a. I think she's a Miz. Miz. Miz Lana Del Rey. What's the difference between Miss and Miz? Is there a difference? I'm sure there is. Well, isn't there no abbreviation for Miss? You just spell it out, and then Miz is M S. Period. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, we'll fact check you for that next uh, for the next episode. But she released a teaser trailer okay. for her music video for National Anthem yesterday, and it came out today. And it is a very, I have to say that Lana Del Rey is one of the, she has a talent for getting people to write about her, let's just say. And the, re- and the way she did it this time is National Anthem is a pretty short song. It's not a particularly memorable song. Uh, it wasn't one of the first like three or four singles off of Born to Die, which is her uh, debut album, which she was on SNL before it even came out, which was an interesting feat. You may remember the, uh, so you call it blowback from her pro- from her performance in January. You would you would call it a blowback. I would call it a blowback also. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, they, she, so she releases a seven-minute and um, 41-second video for this song that is basically a, a retelling of JFK and Jacqueline, Jacqueline Onassis Kennedy, then Jacqueline Kennedy's relationship. Um, more, more of just like uh, highlighting key iconic moments that people like associate with them. I don't know if it's if it's really a retelling as much as it's just kind of like. Um, playing with the images that have been kind of famous for that couple. Uh, right. Um, and now it opens, no, no, uh, Donna Del Rey is Jacqueline Kennedy. And as a rapper I've never heard of, apparently, Doug, you've heard of him before, ASAP Rocky plays JFK. I don't know. I, I don't know about you, Doug. I have read a lot of books about JFK and also specifically about the Kennedys and Jacqueline Kennedy and also John Kennedy Jr., who was JFK's son. And I've seen like the miniseries. You see that miniseries where Greg Kinnear was JFK. It came out a few years ago. It was actually really good. Uh, and so I, I, I consider myself pretty well versed in kind of sort of JFK and Kennedy mythology, especially from this era. So I thought it was really interesting that they chose to do something with this. Um, one of the interesting things is that it opens with Lana Del Rey not as uh, Jacqueline Kennedy, but as Marilyn Marilyn Monroe singing the "Happy Birthday, Mr. President" from his birthday bash in May of 1962, the famous I, "Happy Birthday, Mr. President" song. I, I have a, I have a question and, and maybe a little bit of a theory about this music video, and maybe maybe I'm thinking about it a little bit too deeply. But um, I, th- I think ASAP Rocky would would say there's no you can't think about this video too deeply. No, he would he would say <laughs> that um, uh, in in like a really deep slowed down voice. Also, he would say it to me. Um, but I I, th- I think that maybe I, I don't know. I think that our generation, you know, what we could we call it the YouTube generation. You call it the stupid asshole generation. Any of those kind of are fitting <laughs> of of anyone kind of in our generation or below um the girls generation let's call it that um i think that they're kind of uh 
maybe a little bit removed from Kennedy and uh, like remember all that 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 thing on Twitter like people didn't know who Paul McCartney was like mm. although John Kennedy is a was former president and Marilyn Monroe is a kind of like a social icon and and uh, as is Jackie O I, I don't necessarily think that you need to um, really like it kind of has this video it can it's like its own story like maybe like in this video it's not necessarily two people that they're doing like it doesn't have to be just because they're pulling those iconic in, images out doesn't mean it's like necessarily the story of JFK it obviously isn't Asa Brocky is playing JFK and so <laughs> uh, that that beginning portion to me actually really like sets the mood for the whole video afterwards like I normally hate like portions of a music video that um, like come at the beginning of a video that don't really have much to do with what comes afterwards or or is like you know four minutes of dialogue and stuff before the song starts you know I don't normally like that especially in the case of like a huge pop star like this because it ends up being really self-indulgent and you don't see the meaning behind it however I really think that that beginning kind of places like like adds like a class and like puts like a character in Lana Del Rey that she kind of then breaks when the music starts and she starts like rapping like she's like so elegant and classy and singing happy birthday and then suddenly she, it's like the same kind of like looking character in the same era but suddenly she's like spit and flow you know mean mug into the camera and like I think that it's like this really like kind of spin that really like keeps you engaged in the video beyond that weird like during that beginning I thought like this is weird I don't like this and then as soon as like the actual video starts and you see the purpose of that a little bit and you kind of catch on with it a little bit. So that's where I'm at on that piece. I mean, I have to disagree that, that there, that it could be any relationship. It, it, mainly because toward the end of the video, they're getting into sort of classic Kennedy iconography with the whole, um, you know, Dallas assassination thing. The last shot of the video is Lana Del Rey, you know, in the famous pose of Jacqueline Kennedy, you know, across the back of the the car that was carrying JFK when he was shot, and everything is shot. Is that a famous pose to a sixteen-year-old? No, um, no, I guess I, I guess you're right. I mean, I guess I'm not really in the head of a, of a sixteen-year-old. Um, well, who nobody obviously is. Obviously, Lana Del Rey knows knows what's going on, <clears throat> but I think it's really interesting that she chose. ASAP Rocky and it wasn't according to interviews with him this wasn't sort of he just was just brought on he is you know kind of an intellectual donor to the whole enterprise I think there's a quote floating around where he says nobody's going to get this till 2015 they they have to kind of stew with it for a while and I'm not sure there's enough uh, heft you're waiting there like a good middle chunk of the entire video during the song is just them kind of walking around what would be the Kennedy compound in Hyannisport um just kind of, you know, kissing each other. Um, all their babies are um, obviously half black, half white. So they're they're definitely kind of are making a point of this kind of interracial uh, reimagining of the relationship between JFK and Jackie O. Not I, you make a really really good point about the fact that what would this mean to somebody who is not of our generation really had no idea who these people are. But I think um, there's a part of it where they're kind of updating it. There's just the scene that is the still of YouTube that YouTube kind of chooses the still that's right in the middle is this very odd scene where they're smoking cigars and cigarettes and uh, having breakfast in this kind of weird kind of 
gangster way, but they're in this really elegant setting, and they're 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 obviously supposed to be these people who are seen as really elegant people. Um, so you know, part of me wants to think that it's a little bit of like an updating to make the, these people relatable to a younger generation. But then another uh, part of me thinks that there's absolutely no reason or motivation on the part of Lana Del Rey or anybody associated with this video. We should mention it's directed by Anthony Mandler um, to kind of do that. So there has to be another reason in there. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think like they are, like of course they're, I mean, they're, those images would be iconic. You know, save the, save the the assassination portion you know jfk is one of the most memorable presidents of, you know of all time and even so i don't necessarily think that even presidencies at this point are reaching this generation that we're talking about um however there's a reason that those images are iconic and 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 there's something about them that makes them kind of what they are and i think that maybe that they're just trying to pull you know what? You know, j just because the reason an image is iconic for one generation is different for another generation, it it doesn't mean that that image still doesn't have the ability to kind of reach them both for different reasons. And I think that maybe this video could be playing on that as well. Who knows? That's true. And uh, there's also another theory with this. Even people Lana Del Rey's age, and Lana Del Rey is not that young, much younger than us, maybe just a few years. Um, remember Jackie O is a style icon uh, and to somebody uh, like Lana Del Rey who is into style that is very important and also Marilyn Monroe is uh, one of the most important things or one of the most memorable things from her happy birthday Mr. President thing was the dress she wore which Lana Del Rey uh, mimics in the very first part of this video and also is very very similar to the dress she wore on Saturday Night Live uh, you know and of course, Marilyn Monroe is somebody who a lot, including Lindsay Lohan and a lot of other young starlets, kind of wish they were or, or or try to emulate. So there's there's also maybe more of a cynical look at this, where you know Lana Del Rey just wanted to play Jackie O and uh, Marilyn Monroe because a lot of this video is Lana Del Rey in these kind of classic, you know, like the pillbox hat or the pearls with the with with the hairdo. A lot of these getups just kind of mugging for the camera. And her character is kind of this hybrid. Um, I'm not sure if Jackie O would be kind of like slinking around on a uh, bearskin rug. That's probably something more that has a little bit more of a tinge of a Marilyn Monroe thing. So, I, I, you know, part of me just feels like she wanted to play kind of this hybrid character and bring that that style to it. Yeah, I definitely think that that's what it is. And I think that there's like hybrids going on in the whole video. You know what I mean? There's, you're getting, um, you know, like a lot of like the, the, you know, like the elegance and like the high class. And then you're getting like a lot of these like hip hop kind of like, you know, snapback hats and the gold dice chains. on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Those kind of images kind of together in this video. I don't know. I, it was, it's, I think it's pretty ambitious. And I obviously it worked to get people to talk about it. But I, I think that, I think that it. I think that it works. I'm. I'm a fan of this video. It's probably my favorite um, LDR video. That's what I call her. Oh really? Uh, I'm not on that that name basis with her yet, but I would agree with you that this is definitely her best. Um, and very, you know, kudos to Anthony Mandler and also the team behind who shot this. This whole thing is framed in a. Uh, 
in a, in a box. You can see the black background. It's not like 16 by 9. They they uh, and it has like the little squiggles. It's not a clear cut border. They did a lot of um, interesting effects to this. There's a lot of really beautiful shots in it. So kudos right, to ready, the production ready. team. You ready for the way I would? I'm gonna do an impression of someone from this generation that we keep talking about, this YouTube generation. I'm gonna do an impression of them describing this Lana Del Rey video. You ready? Okay. Um. So like Lana Del Rey like is like a white Michelle Obama, <laughs> and then Asif Rocky is like a throwback Obama, like but like from like 30 years ago, and then like the whole thing is shot in like an Instagram. What do you think? Uh, it's perfect. That's perfect. What do you think? Yeah, see, we just don't. We need to have on the podcast and I did somebody of that generation. Oh yeah, good. The duck face. Yeah, and did you do the? Um, did you do? Well, actually, that's more. It might be our more our generation. The whole kind of squat, the sorority squat. Yeah, no, that's that's a little bit more of us. But uh, I, the duck face, I did do. So boom, bam, we're good with that. Um, I, yeah, there's so was, much more to talk about talk. this video, but we have to. I think we have to move on because there's there's just a, and they're very smart because there's a lot to talk about this. And um, I think one um, blog appropriate called it blog bait, and it, it definitely is. It's also podcast bait because I mean, kudos to them for for creating something that causes so much uh, conversation around it. It's what it's all about with these days with the pop with the pop with the pop sensations. Now uh, we should also. Uh, talking about oh, conversation no wait let me just mention another great thing last thing about this video there's <laughs> okay. a wonderful animated gif associated with this video oh there's that a great be, one that could be found it's a little bit it's slightly altered from how it appears in the video however if you go check filminsert.com slash blog and look for the blog post uh top 10 best music video gifts of all time you will find the the great animated gif associated with this video and just enjoy it you sit in there and watch it for hours it's a uh, number two on the yeah top number ten. two which is which is really number one and if you go look at the post you'll see why number one is well it's special go check check it out uh yeah these are some great gifs gifs um that, what do you say you say gifs uh well here pop quiz what does gif stand for Ooh, it's a graphic interchange format jesus doug I, I I said it. You didn't. He, Skype is screwing up again. No, yeah, that's. Um, I said it. Graphic yeah. interchange format. That's true. Yes, it must be Skype. So always cutting out answers. So, but speaking of you know conversation, people talking, we need to talk to, or we're going to talk to our guest for this podcast, Mr. Scott Cudmore and Mr. Michael LeBlanc of Cudmore LeBlanc, the production company. Nope, nope, nope. It's of LeBlanc and Cudmore. Damn it, I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, of LeBlanc and Cudmore, the production company behind some really amazing music videos, including uh, my favorite, which is Juan by Sloan, um, Queen of Hearts by Fucked Up, Holding On to Something by Parlover. Um, some really amazing stuff. Check them out on the site. Uh, you can check them out under Scott uh, or uh, LeBlanc Cudmore or Scott Cudmore has uh, the director credit on a lot of them. So uh, they are from Toronto. They're a director pro- uh, director and writer and producer and DP duo, and they're awesome. So let's talk to them right now. Our interview with Scott Cudmore and Michael LeBlanc. Oh, okay, I'm Scott 
Cudmore, and I, um, <laughs> I'm a writer and director, and I live in Toronto. <laughs> I'm uh, Michael LeBlanc, and uh, I'm a cinematographer slash producer with uh, Scott and um, musician. And, uh, yeah, I'm married. <laughs> how, how long have you been married? Not very long. That's why I mentioned it. <laughs> I just got married, too. What, uh, when did you get married? Um, February 13th. Okay, nice. I, I just got married in May, so we're part of the Cool Kids Just Got Married Club. Yeah. <laughs> and, Scott, your marital status is? I'm, I'm not married, but I, uh, I live with my girlfriend. Which is like being married, but I don't know. It's probably not. I don't know if it is like being married. I don't have the uh, context of perspective. So, and then Doug is in a, lo a long-distance relationship, so now we know everybody's status, which is good. <laughs> this is a standard. This is a standard way we start all of the music video podcast. Just get the marital statuses out of the way. Get them. <laughs> Get that stuff. I, clear the air I, with that stuff because people, people want to know about this. No, yeah. people like to know. <laughs> because I'm not on Facebook and no one knows my status. Oh, yeah, you don't broadcast it. This is a this is a good opportunity for me Let's to do, do that. Like, when you go to buy a bag of chips, you say, I want some chips and I'm married. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's true. It's true. I, I usually uh, tell people my marital status all the time because I'm not, like I said, on the Facebook or anything and people don't know. So you, have, right. you really have to let them know. So you guys are a, I guess what you'd call a pair for production, and you guys own and operate your own production company, uh, LeBlanc Cudmore. Uh, I was wondering if you guys could tell us about how long you guys have been doing that and, and where that came from. Um, well, we, we've been doing that for the LeBlanc and Cudmore name, um, and like the the decision to um, have the sort of production company and website and like present ourselves that way was a relatively new thing, maybe like a year ago. But we've been doing LeBlanc's been like producing, like it kind of came out of like in Canada. You probably know there's like a video fact. Um, much music, the music video station awards like every few months they award a grant to to musicians to make music videos and I had representation through another production company or well, a few other production companies over the years and usually those applications would be put in by those production companies but when it came to making videos outside of that system usually they were like tiny little low budget videos that we just wanted to do. Uh, we didn't want to produce any of those through other people's production companies because then you have to then you know a percentage of that budget goes to those production companies and less ends up on the camera. So we just decided. Well, LeBlanc's a great producer and he's sort of been making his own things even before we started working together and and. Uh, so we just decided that we'd self-produce, and then when it came to, like, we were just, I guess we just thought, why we should just do every video like this. We can, and then that means we don't have to, you know, put 15% of the budget into uh, production fees and things like that. We can just keep it or and use it, and it was just 
and also like as we did work together more and more we'd started working like very very closely i guess like the protocol of our roles would we, we would kind of ignore that protocol i guess so like we would just like we would collaborate on the edit and and like there was a lot of like overlapping of stuff and it just made kind of more sense to like present ourselves as a team mm-hmm. i guess sort of like it was like the like classic producer director relationships of the like hollywood system how the producer was more like a the producer director was like a more visible collaboration i guess and well th- there's also that extra element of Michael you being director of photography yeah in there does, does that help the the relationship well I'm pretty hands on type guy like I get right in there and and uh, me and Scott when we do projects and stuff we uh, we really like you know normally like a cinematographer they do like a prep day and a you know like a meeting and then the shoot and maybe a couple phone calls on you know what i mean like it's just very like hands off and just sort of like shoot it on the day not all the time but for, for the most part like it's just like i don't know i i just tend to not shoot as much as uh as others like i sort of choose not to shoot as much and i just want to shoot you know just projects that i really like so i'll put like tons of time into it so with scott i've just he and I just started like spending a lot of time together and working on these projects. So much time. I, we're both producing them. I'm just like sort of looking at the numbers a little bit more. So we're like both basically like it's just a pretty it's a pretty hard collaboration. It's as it's as it's as uh, it's as collaborative as you get. I think like we, yeah. you know, like he'll write the treatments and stuff. But once the treatments are done, we'll like get together and we'll like talk about it and we'll both have ideas and then we'll both produce it and we'll both edit it but Scott is directing it and I am shooting it but we just like cross the lines and and uh I I would just interrupt there to say like when I was talking about protocol like um it would be frowned upon on a lot of sets if the cinematographer got in the way of like the director's blocking or something but with us it's like if Mike sees something that he he thinks sucks, or if he thinks he sees something that could be better, then he will he will speak up and like we'll talk about it. And it, like it doesn't necessarily just come down to like shoot this, light it, make it look nice. But if he has ideas on how to improve a scene, he will we'll talk about them. Like it's a it's a it's a verbal onset collaboration. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll get into it. Like sometimes Scott will be working with an actor and maybe not getting everything out of the actor and I'll be like can I give it a try and he's like yeah sure and then I'll <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll go in and then I'll you know what I mean like we're, we're pretty easy going on set like a good cop bad cop kind of relationship with actors <laughs> maybe yeah we've done that before <laughs> we, we have done that I'm usually the nice guy <laughs> Scott, yeah Scott used to get there I also <laughs> a child cry once. <laughs> That's uh, and what video did you make a child cry on? I didn't make a child cry. It wasn't as bad as I made it. <laughs> no, he was just he really got into it, and the child became a little bit afraid. It was uh, on the it was on the Queen of Hearts video where I was trying to get uh, elicit a like a very angry from the kids singing the fucked up song, like getting them to be really like 
intense. So I sort of started like doing what I thought <laughs> was to this kid, and he got really scared. <laughs> I had to step in and be like, "Okay, that's an idea." <laughs> like sort of take it to attack that with a different approach. Yeah. <laughs> is, is it typically one you, you know you guys kind of like a one-two punch? Is there ever a time where like you kind of aren't seeing eye to eye, and there and there was like like something there where where one of you really saw something one way and the other didn't, and or or is it usually kind of a fluid work work relationship? It's usually very fluid. I think. Um, I think like we have. I mean, it still comes down to I've written the the treatment and I'm ultimately directing it. So, I guess like we've had moments where maybe LeBlanc's been like, oh, I think you're wrong. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, we like, discuss everything and and. We'll usually try it both ways for the yeah. most part, like because we both edit and like for the most part, if there's no time. And Scott wants it like a certain way. We just do it that way. But for the most part, that doesn't happen. I think that's happened like maybe like once, maybe in all the videos and all the times we've worked together, where like we've had to make a decision. There's usually enough time, and we trust each other enough that if I'm seeing something that is like you know drastically different, Scott will be like, "Oh, okay, I I don't see that, but I let's let's shoot it." Like he's he's pretty open. Like it, it's all. Basically, I think this all comes from the openness of, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to say too many nice things to Scott, but it's, it's, Scott, being, it's Scott being open. It's, it's him that's, that allows this to happen because most directors wouldn't. So it, it's him being like, yeah, like he knows that in the end, if, if, you, if you look at it, if, if he gets two ways of shooting it and someone else's completely different perspective on the situation, it's just going to open it up in the edit. So yeah, it never hurt. It's always good. It's always going to, it's like, okay, we'll shoot it one way. And then if I'm like, ah, I really see it from over here. And I sort of don't see that person doing that. He's like, oh, that's interesting. Well, let's try it like that. And then we try it. But I we think don't... that's also like trait of like really like, like a good, any good working relationship should probably be like that. Otherwise, if you're like bashing your egos together, nothing goes come of that kind of. Nothing will get done, yeah. You've, yeah. you've obviously never listened to the podcast before because Doug and I are huge egos and we're just always <laughs> going at it. Every this, podcast ends in tears. Um, so we definitely know what you're talking about. Sign there. up for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, com it's coming. So just stick I, around. I would have to say, it, I, did, I, 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 I was sort of feeling like this was more of a therapy session than a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, I was going to, um, you know. Well, I have never talked about this before. Yeah, this is really interesting to vocalize all this stuff. Like, I don't, I feel a little bit uncomfortable. I don't know what you like the next time I see you, Scott, but. Glad we're not in the same room right now. It's just my notes say, how, you know, how does that make you feel? So I'll just, you know. Um, I feel pretty good. But uh, getting, you know, getting into, because we love what you guys are doing. We really love the videos you guys are, are, are creating. Thanks. And we want to talk about a few of them. And one of the things I want to ask you, Scott, is there's an interview with you in 2010 where you mention, where you kind of put something out there that's that's along the lines of, you know, I'm kind of done with making, uh, you know, normal music videos. Yeah. And this is two years ago. And once you went, you know, across that line, what's changed in the way that you're, you know, writing and directing your videos? I think I've... I mean, 
thinking less of them as music videos and more of them as like little films. I think like in the like golden age of music videos, or if you want to call it the golden age of music videos, in the MTV era of music videos, anyways, um, music videos were useful as a, a commercial for a an artist, and that made sense then because the whole like the whole like um, point of commercials is that you see them over and over and over and over again, and that's and that's how they function. But that doesn't really work anymore because we don't see music videos over and over and over again. We're not subjected to like uh, rotation playlists on television. Um, and it made sense, I think, for that era that it, that music videos be performance and, 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 you know, that model. But now it's kind of like, they can kind of be anything. And I think if you're going to only see something once, on the internet when it premieres and then make it if it lives a bit longer than that so be it but it should be it should be something a little different and a little like new and um i think seeing a, a, a film <laughs> once is more exciting than seeing like the same thing you've seen a million times before um well you definitely well, have those those elements of when you see first see you know something like the Queen of Hearts you know by fucked up music video that you know there's there's certain elements in the music videos that you guys are creating that just kind of make you kind of perk up and pay attention and one of those is the um, I guess this element of kind of creating an environment and then just kind of completely breaking it down I'm thinking yeah. about the in the Queen of Hearts the end of it where you know, there's it basically becomes a production scene, and also you know in the, in the video like the Witches One by Sloan video where you, you know that you have this uh, environment that you create in the end this news crew comes in and just sort of breaks everything down. It, what is it, what about that is is appealing to you to you to to put that those elements in a music video? Um, I don't I don't I think I I think it. I don't know. It's hard. It's it's. I kind of grew up reading a lot of like postmodern literature, like Italo Calvino and Samuel Beckett and things like that. So it could just be influence that is influencing me. But um, I, I I think like the artificiality of of cinema and like drama has always struck me as like as kind of weird <laughs> and I think I'm just I, I, it, I wouldn't say like there's it's getting at any kind of truth by showing that it's all fiction but because all of that is, is stylized as well kind of but um, I don't know I guess I'm just I just I just like um, taking away the, the wall that is like the the pretense that what you're looking at is real and what is it about that the queen of hearts video what was the the thought process behind having that whole ending scene be you know kind of you know taking the curtain back on the actual production it's a bit of a nod in that video to the the album because the album is um the album is a, it's a it's a concept album with a narrative from beginning to end and the fire in that video is like is like a reference to events that happen in the music, um, 
over the course of the narrative, but also the narrative over the course of the album starts to deconstruct, and the and the narrator who is just like a a, a you know a device at the beginning of the record becomes a character in the narrative and starts messing with the lives of the fictional characters. So it's kind of a nod just to like the album's own deconstruction. So it made sense to just deconstruct our bit of fiction as well. Like we are all just making this. It's not. Right. Yeah. And 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 Michael for sh- shooting something like that. That's something that you know Doug and I are always have been interested. In these scenes where it's like a pr- production within a production. We just had the uh, or Daniels on the podcast a few episodes ago who did a video. I don't know if you guys have seen it. The Houdini video for Foster the People where. It's, yeah. it's pretty much, you know, all of that. When you, when you shoot for something like that, what are the, are there any sort of special challenges where you're having kind of, is there like two sets of everything? Um, no, usually, usually these sort of things I, I find just sort of happen in the edit and, um, it's, you just, I usually just take everything like exactly how I would take anything else. You know what I mean? Like just like shot, sort of shot for shot and sort of planning for the end shot and, and just making sure that the light is as consistent and stuff like it. It's more like a continuity of light and yeah, the, there's nothing that I'm thinking about when we were shooting that because a lot of, you know, like that shot, that specific shot, that last final shot, we, we tried it various ways before that version came out. So it was like, yeah, I, I didn't even know that that was going to be the shot when we were shooting it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like it, this wasn't storyboarded heavily in any way. It was sort of we just made it on the day, on the fly. Like, we, like you know, Scotty had some ideas, as he always does. He went in, into it with, like, a bunch of ideas. But then as one shot leads to another shot, leads to another shot, leads to another. You know what I mean? Like, I think that Scott knew you know, really, you know, rough. That thought was designed. There, there was the, the plan of like revealing the crew and everything was, 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 I mean, it was always like in a shot list, but yeah, but the, it wasn't like how it was going to happen. Was it going to start on the woman? Like, was it going to be a wide shot? It just sort of ended up happening. Uh, well, well, Scott knew he wanted it to be a really nice long shot, but he didn't know exactly what shot he wanted. And only by, the end of the day after seeing how everything ended up being choreographed and how the people like we didn't even know how we wanted them seated like they we ended up facing them they were going to be facing forward in the beginning and then we changed all the seats there was going to be more they ended up being less like so many things changed from the time we started talking about it to the time we actually shot it that it's it's literally just like um sometimes me and scotty will will work together in this way where it's like very on the fly collaborative and sometimes we really think it through before and this was one of the ones where we really didn't have time to think it through because it was really really difficult to produce <laughs> this video was especially insane when i the hardest thing i produced was it, it was, the elements of the of having the children there oh well it was the it, it that, was, three and a half hours out of Toronto and we had to like organize rides and it was like food out in the middle of nowhere and it, it was like every aspect of the video was quite difficult not to but mention we didn't have any money well we had <laughs> a little bit of money but it was not really tiny yeah 
it was like, you know, like normally if you have like money, you can have like, I had one assistant for the job. Like it was like me and we had a steady camera, you know, like one like production assistant that is. And I didn't have anyone producing it. So it's like, sometimes I like to try to hire someone to produce when I'm shooting. Uh, these days I've been hiring a couple of different people, but on that specific occasion, it was just me with my focus puller and the steady cam up. And then we had one PA student from Humber. So it was like, actually, you know, I wish we'd have had like 10 more people. <laughs> but we. Also, so, there wasn't, also, it wasn't even a full shoot day because on the same day, we also had to record, record the, the, the children. Yeah. Like, well, that's kids. Choir, so <laughs> there were that took several hours, like listening the right performance. You guys from... made it really easy on yourselves, then it sounds. <laughs> and we were, we literally just we started shooting at like one p. In the end, it started like two p.m. ish, maybe one or two, two thirty, because we we only got there like noon, and we had to record the. You know, we had a engineer come, a friend of mine uh, who shares an office space with me, Ian McGettigan. Um, he came and he he set up his all this crazy recording situation and then another friend of ours, Nobu Edelman, came and he had not really worked with these children and he was like teaching them the song because he's a he has a <laughs> it was like, finally like two thirty we were able to shoot the first shot and then so literally we had like five hours before the sun came down and it was jammed so it was like not a lot of thinking just a lot of doing really we just we but you know obviously there's like like I said, like Scott had it pretty much all sorted, roughly sorted out, but none of the shots were picked. So basically, to answer your question, I was just flying off the seat of my pants. Like, <laughs> um, and and the and this idea of, of of recording audio, it's not something that you you see in music videos a lot, where the audio from what you're seeing is is what you hear. Usually, you hear just the the song, and that's an element that kind of comes up in your in your music videos a lot is that does that come more from trying to create more of this kind of film cinematic experience than just your standard music video or is there something else behind that I I think it's just the former it just like it makes it I think it's more immersive when when it's just images and like a song laid over top it it it, it feels like a montage it is a montage but as soon as you add the element of sound, then it becomes more dramatic. It becomes you—you you are actually there in this world, and you can. It adds a, a new dimension that is, I think, very, very powerful. And I—I th I think a lot of. I think bands are just sort of scared of it. <laughs> I think it's like, you know, because your the experience of the video becomes wholly different from listening to the song as they recorded it. Now. One video we definitely wanted to ask about is the holding on to something video for an artist whose name I never pronounce right. Parlor. Parlor. It's just Parlor. Parlor, okay. I'm always, I hear people pronouncing it in interviews and things like that, and I try to say it and I never get it. Um, and this is just one of the oddest videos uh, we've seen, but not in like a kind of a, a shock value way. Um, it's just sort of very intriguing and and has this really interesting bizarre narrative to it i was wondering if you could i'm really interested to hear where the genesis of this idea came from <laughs> the genesis of the idea was that i wanted to make a video where the song is playing is actually i wrote this treatment for another band and then 
they didn't want to do it. And then I wrote it for this band, and then they didn't want to do it either. <laughs> but the original idea was that it was the song playing and the band just talking about the song over top of the song. <laughs> just sitting at a table together and then talking. And then during the course of their conversation, this guy gets sick with this like weird, mysterious, magical ailment. And that is like the crystals. Um, and then just as I got closer and closer to shooting it, that just kind of kept changing. And then I was realizing that oh, I don't think this like recording dialogue and having this conversation is going to work in this case. And it just sort of kept changing. That video kept changing right up until like moments before we shot it. <laughs> Not the narrative. The narrative was always the same, just like the approach to it. And because that video again was like made for almost nothing and um, in a location that we we weren't able to go to until like the day before we shot. So, you know, usually you have your location and you can go to it and, and block it and plan well in advance and like think about things before you actually do them. But like the fucked up video, yeah, we, we, we didn't really have... The fucked up video, we had the, the location more in advance. But this one, we had no idea. Like, I hadn't been to it until, like, 8 p.m. when we were shooting, like, at 8, p 8 a.m. the next morning. So it was just... The narrative, I don't know. The narrative was just... An idea. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. But it was sort of... In the end, it became about, like... I just decided to shoot it all as simply as possible, just portraits, and then um, try to tell a story just with gestures, kind of, in the edit. Just tell, tell a story in the simplest way possible, just with, like, glances and gestures, kind of like that um, old, like, Russian film, like, it might have been an Eisenstein experiment where they have a shot of a guy's face, like a photograph of a guy's face and then a shot of like a birthday cake. And when you show the birthday cake and then show the face, the guy is really, he looks really happy. And then another, and then the same picture of the same guy and then juxtaposing it with the shot of, of a gun. And then you show the guy's face and then suddenly it's the same photo, but he looks like angry or nervous. And it was kind of like constructing this video was like the, the same principle. Like using little tiny expressions to convey meaning. So, so those those simple simple mannerisms in the in the performances and stuff that that all that all comes from you and and you you kind of like are are directing the the actors to to make these subtle kind of nuances in their in their performance that all comes comes from your end. Yeah, well, yeah, I would just when we were shooting it, I would just be like, okay, make your eyes as wide as possible, like look over here, like just that kind of thing yeah it was just and I didn't know exactly I knew sort of like the general idea of how I wanted to use them I knew that like that's what I wanted to do with them but I didn't know where exactly they would fall where they would work best and actually there were a lot of edits of that one before I was content <laughs> I um I wanted to ask about Toronto in in general because uh, you know, we've we talked to a lot of people from LA and New York, and we've also talked to um, Emily Kaibach from Montreal. And you know, Toronto is sort of 
this city that you know people know as a place where a lot of you know feature films are shot as you know a standard for other cities or Toronto itself. Yeah. And I was just curious about the music video industry there. Um, is there um, much of a dedicated industry to, to music videos, or you know, if it isn't in Toronto, where where is that in Canada? Um, I honestly have no idea. Mike might know better. <laughs> I I feel like at least me and Mike works kind of outside of the because I guess we just do our own thing with our own little company or. And and I really don't know what's going on in the in the music video industry here. I really don't pay very much attention to it. Um, Is um I, like when you guys put out a out a um you know a bid for a project or something like that. I don't, I don't know if you guys participate in that sort of process. Are there other companies in Toronto that do what you guys do? Or are you unique to that kind of situation in in the area? There's other companies making doing music video production, but less and less. Most of them have kind of folded or turned into commercial production houses because there's just the, the music video industry is so it, <laughs> financially <laughs> uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It just does there's not enough money. So but uh, probably more and more people are just sort of I, I would think sort of just doing what we do, just making them self-producing everything and Mike, do you know what's going on? <laughs> I no, I have I really don't. Like I don't know. Well, I know that, you know, like I know that there are videos being done out there like tons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but uh I don't know like we're we we haven't we we've, we've just been sort of doing it like people ask us to do videos and Scott knows bands and stuff and and that's just the way we've been doing it. We haven't like put ourselves. We don't like caught. We we're not in touch with any of the labels or any of that. And we, they don't send us songs every week. Or we just get songs that Scott, I guess, through Scott. Just yeah. Usually, like, I'll just get sent something and and asked to write on it. And, and, I, well, then, and sometimes I'll be told like, yeah, this is a bid. Like. We're sending you this. We want a treatment from you, but we're also sending it. You know, I, I, there are lots of other people. But I, I don't really know what the climate is. I don't really like. Mm-hmm. I really don't have like a picture of it. And in, I, in terms yeah. of um, music in general in in Toronto, you know, a lot of the bands you guys work with are Canadian bands. Yeah. Um, you know, just out of you know curiosity for people who have never been to you know Canada or Toronto in general, what is that you know? culture like there is there a lot of independent music going on yes lots yeah lots tons <laughs> the music scene is very very alive there's tons of tons of music um and it's like and it's big it's like uh the, the, mu- the music here is like very internationally recognized right now it's kind of like montreal was like eight years ago or whatever when our, the arcade fire broke and every, all eyes were on Montreal. Now it's kind of like, I don't, I don't know if all eyes are on Toronto, but I know that there's like definitely a lot going on in all genres from like electronic music to indie rock and rap. and Yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a good place to be a music fan. Um, and in terms of what you guys have are working on right now, is there anything that's coming out in the near future? Yeah, we just 
finished another video that's coming out. I don't know when. Maybe next week or something. Hey, Scott, one, one question. Did, did the Chains of Love video get released? Yeah, it did. Okay. It's out there. <laughs> okay, and um, I, I just want to say, uh, I say Power Lover. Oh, you do? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I will do that, too, because that makes more sense looking at it. I don't think I can remember par uh, Parlor. Um, no, I, I always say... You say Pavlar. <laughs> Lately, I've been saying Parlover, but I do, I do say Pavlar. During the production, you would say Pavlar. <laughs> Great interview. There were four of us. It's yeah. That's those four people interviewed. They're um. They're tough. They're not tough. They're, they're a lot of fun. We manage. We always manage. Um. It is. Yeah, they've got a lot of really interesting stuff. You can watch a lot of their videos and keep discovering new new things. And it makes me kind of want to hang out in Toronto. I haven't been there for a while. A lot of people don't know how awesome Toronto is. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, Canadian-based music video directors I've found. I, I think that obviously the overwhelming majority of them are in Los Angeles, but I think um, the number two, not a close second at all, but definitely number two, I think would be Canada um, over New York. So more more in Canada than New York, I'd really? say. You know, put that stat out there, is, um, but this is. Um... I mean, I don't that, that, that just that, that I've come across. Obviously, this isn't any any kind of official, hmm. you know, Gallup poll. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, and it, it's a really fun city. It's it's a large city, and it is a very the city uh, of Canada, the city of Toronto. Um, Toronto has a few cities. Well, of course, we all know Vancouver from the last from two years ago from the Winter Olympics. Um, but Toronto's kind of stayed low, I guess, in the U United States public conscious for a while. There hasn't been a lot going on there that. Like, you know, I'm talking about big events, like the Olympics. Well, Car or... Cardinal Official would disagree, but that's neither here nor there. Who's um, Cardinal Official? You don't know You don't know about Cardinal Official? No. Man. Maybe we'll have him on the podcast one day. He's a great uh, Toronto-based rap rapper, T-Dot. He's from the T-Dot. Oh, uh, well, uh, Drake's Toronto-based rapper. I don't know if he's based there anymore, but, you know. Well, yeah, he, he, he I mean, he's from there, but, like, Cardinal Official, like, reps toronto yeah but that's the, that's like the um he wears it that's the thing with like the, the the much music canada awards category where it's like best um international music video by a canadian artist i always find that category a little it's like sad. Best it's video little... by a canadian artist who isn't proud of their roots. <laughs> that's what that category should be called uh, yes um so i think it's Pick of the week. Pick of the week time. Yeah, let's do it. Up. Let's do it. We ought to do it. Uh, I got mine. I got so, mine too. Uh, Who wants to go first? Um, I'll go first. I think I'll go first. Okay, um, you can go first. Uh, I'm pretty oh, sure. I could, oh, I could go first. <laughs> yeah, you know, you go no, first. No, no, you go first. No, okay, I insist I, now. I, I'm pretty sure that you should go first. No, no, no. I, I 100%. I'm gonna hang up right now. If let's you go first. Okay, I'll go first. But. But the only reason I'll go first is because this is officially now at least the third, could be even the fourth, Ryan Reichenfeld music video that I'm picking for my pick of the week on the Film Insert podcast. Hmm. And you would think that that's because I'm running out of material, but I'm absolutely not. 
Um, it is just because I like it, like it so much. Um, my pick of the week is for a band group collective called RAC, which stands for Remix Artist Collective. And the song is called Hollywood. This song features Penguin Prison, which uh, obviously great band, guys, great, great group of humans. It's a relatively simple concept for a music video. It's like a like a cowboy from the 1800s got placed in the middle of current day Los Angeles. Typical of Ryan Reichenfeld. It, Ryan Reichenfeld's music videos. It is uh, extremely cinematic and beautifully shot, and like really kind of. No, no, no. Uh, keep going. You should go first. But anyway, this. This, 19, uh, this 1800s cowboy is in current, current day Los Angeles and doing cowboy things. It's shooting bottles and peeing on the street and it has a horse. And the city seems really big around him and kind of like overbearing with uh, lights and like it seems very in, infamil- unfamiliar. And then suddenly this cowboy comes across Rose McGowan and uses his cowboy charm to, uh, to pull her away from her line at a club. Uh, and she goes horseback riding with our cowboy. Uh, great video, directed by Ryan Reichenfeld. RAC Hollywood. Check it out on Film Insert. Rose McGowan, what's she from? Rose McGowan's from lots of stuff. She was on that show Charmed. I think she was maybe married or something to uh, Marilyn Manson. Mm, you're right. Uh, she's also she was in the Encino Man. Yeah, and she's a sultry, she's, she's a sultry dish. <laughs> Monkey bone. Uh... Oh man, you're pulling out all the stops at this point. Don't be cruel. Uh, anyway, man, don't be cruel. You see that because we're talking about cowboys and at like Elvis. Mm, I'm trying to figure out what I know her from. I I've never S- seen anything on here. S- swing and a miss. Uh, uh, you know her from the RAC Hollywood music video. You should definitely go first. I will. Is it my turn to go? Should I go second? You should go second. Go second. Now you should go second. Uh, um, third post podcast host. Uh, my pick of the week. <laughs> well, my pick of the week is somebody who I think is their next interview on the podcast. Can I say that? I'll, I'm going to say it anyway. Um, you can. You will. And that is Mr. By directed by Mr. Hank Friedman because I really love this video, and it is a really. Um, it's not a big budget video, obviously, but it is really funny and enjoyable, which I which why I like. Why is that so obvious? What are you trying to say about Hank? No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't put words in my mouth. I'll explain. It's for um, a band called LA Font, which I assume are from LA, and they're into fonts. And their and their the song is Sharks. <clears throat> and this is a very simple concept. These band people in LA Font are outside of McDonald's, and uh, McDonald's logo has been. Uh, changed through computer wizardry to say LA font. That's a minor detail, but just letting you know. And they're just sort of outside this thing, but this restaurant, and just kind of inside it, outside it. You know, he like the dirt guitarist, like lead singer, slides down the ball pit, still still playing his guitar. They like walk through the drive-through and like sing to the um, thing that takes your order. But the so it's. I think in a lot of 
the concept in a lot of bands and directors hands would really suck really bad because you'd get them going there and like going to like a fast food restaurant and like there's that's always like number one on like a group of teenagers list of like places to go play pranks right because it's a very like corporate entity and one of the plate wit you know places where you know uh they have a whole department dedicated to telling their employees don't, you know, retaliate or do anything or don't, like, chase after anybody because it's, like, a, uh, a legal hassle or a legal risk or something. So it's a relatively safe place to kind of go and uh, cause some trouble. So, you know, I can see a lot of bands saying, let's go cause some trouble at a McDonald's or something like that and turn it into a music video. So there's a little bit of a, like, you're wading a thin line there. But uh, in the hands of Mr. Hank Friedman in this band, it turns into a really funny kind of interesting video and I think one of the key elements of that is how dead serious this band is they never crack a smile throughout the entire thing they are um, well maybe a little bit during the when they're playing to the thing that takes your order but they are so committed to just like being so into like mugging and like miming their instruments like while walking around in a drive-through which is ridiculous it just comes off as very endearing, and you kind of um, really kind of connect with the personality of the band, which a video like this I don't think doesn't achieve that often. Um, case in point is this shot where the lead singer and guitarist comes down the ball pit. You would think like he was like sliding across a stage in front of a hundred thousand people, but doing it a little bit awkwardly and a little bit self-consciously. There's no like hint in his body language or smile or anything like that that says, "Hey, I'm playing a funny prank," and um, that really, really helps the video. And for anybody who um, is you know doing a video like this, like in a public place, where you know, there's not a permit and you're kind of using a, a public kind of corporate establishment as your backdrop. This is like the gold standard for that, I think, the way that they pull it off. Um, really funny, really, really awesome. Um, my favorite shot is when one of the guys takes a bite out of a hamburger at McDonald's and just stares blankly into the, into the distance. Just that one cracked me up. So that is Sharks by L.A. Font, and they're directed by Hank Friedman. And you'll hear better on next week's podcast. We ask, ask about him, and it's a really, really awesome interview. Um, you've never seen Grindhouse? No, I never seen. I never saw Grindhouse. Mm. Rose McGowan is in Grindhouse. Don't you like this video? Oh, yeah, it's a great video, but... Uh, You're still in the Rose McGowan thing. Well, I just can't believe you haven't seen Grindhouse. I know the name Rose McGowan. I'm not an idiot. Actually, she doesn't I mean, look that familiar for some reason. But she's like a, the, she's in both parts of Grindhouse, and in and in the Rob Rodriguez part, she's like the main character. She's a gun for a leg. Yeah, yeah, but I, but if you like didn't see Grindhouse, like you don't you didn't see either parts. Yeah, that's our audience. <laughs> our audience is people who haven't seen Grindhouse. You've got them pegged. Oh boy. And it should title this podcast be I Never Saw Grindhouse? <laughs> uh, yeah, it should be. It'd be a great title for now, it. Now, I learned something this week. Uh, on I got I to gotta share on the podcast because it sort of relates. And that is, um, did you know, I heard an interview with Alec Baldwin on Fresh Air. And did you know, like, IMDb, like, even if they're just, like, the slightest hint of an artist doing, like, a movie, they'll put it in, like, they'll, like, put it on the site, but put it as, like, 
in talks or whatever, like or like pending or something like that. So a lot of times, like Alec Baldwin has like twelve things right now that are pending, and he's only like going to do two of them. Isn't that, isn't that weird? Uh, I guess it's kind of weird, but not like it's interesting information. But then once you hear it, you like get why IMDb does it because they're fucking assholes. <laughs> to um, Adam at filmdinsert.com or Doug at filmdinsert.com and tell us what uh, tell us who your favorite podcast host is and the winner will be announced based on these votes uh, for the 50th episode anniversary and then the other person will be permanently fired from the podcast.